T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Nice, like last time I got the, the mic. Why? I thought it was going to rain today. White Sox sideline reporter and host of White Sox pregame and postgame live. You look better in suit. I'm sorry. Sorry to disappoint you. What? Don't sorry. Just do it. Ryan McGuffey. We have a real fan favorite in a match I am sure we will not soon forget. Senior producer of original content at NBC Sports Chicago. You're not going to want to miss this. It is hitting around on 670 the score. I've been trying to get these guys in for a while this summer, and we have them. Hello, men from NBC Sports Chicago, Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey. What's going on, boys? Hold on. Yep. Let's see. Let's see. There's How buttons. Oh, Hello. buttons. Oh, huh? Modern oh, 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 technology. Oh. Look at that. All right. Yes, I think we're going. This is this is you right here, actually, oh, Mr. Oh, Chuck. No yes. All right, let's, uh, let's do that again. So, uh, hey, you've been dying to get these guys in here for a while, and here we are, Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey. What's up, boys? All good. Zach Collins is here. He is here. So Despagne is still here, too. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad starting pitchers, um, but I just let Zach Collins catch them all. I mean, is he going to learn bad things by catching catch them all. bad no. pitchers? Well, a few of them. Yeah. A I mean, few of you them. Need Jim, you need James McCann. He's the MVP of this team right now. James McCann, James is, McCann is pretty fun. Who batted 227 with like a 260 on base percentage last year with the Tigers. Yeah. He's the Sox MVP. Um, it, hi, move right on up on that microphone, if you would, Mr. Chuck. Is that better? That is a lot better. Okay. I know you're used to um, the, the vaunted and high-flying <laughs> TV business where they put microphones on your lapel so you don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And us here, we got we to gotta move our heads yes. close to the mic. I, I love James McCann, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things, White Sox. I think he is like an example of the best kind of veteran you could find in a rebuild. I know. He was the one that, I mean, raise your hand if you were excited when you saw the press release for James McCann. No chance. No, nobody here did, and no one out there did that's listening. And now you can't wait for the announcement of the re-sign, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, this is, you're supposed to be giving guys an opportunity and when they find the opportunity, they seize it just in every possible way. And, Chuck, it seems like he's completely seized the opportunity, um, not just for more playing time and to work on the hitting and stuff, but just defensively and kind of overall his, his mindset as a catcher. You never know when those catchers are going to develop, and his moment seems to have come right now. Yeah, and when he came in during spring training, he basically took this leadership role from the start, which is difficult to do when you are – New to a team, mm-hmm. um, but there was kind of like a leadership void. Am I on the wrong mic here? I think you're good. We're <laughs> trying. Go ahead, keep talking. I'm, for gonna, me. I'm just going to keep talking. I like it. All right. So, and you know, he has just taken. He's got a huge voice in this clubhouse, and I heard you earlier talking about how he has. You know, when these guys are on the plane, 
Yeah. Going from city to city, everyone's relaxing, listening to their music, maybe having a drink. No, he's on his iPad, and he's going through scouting reports for every single pitcher, prepping them for the next series. And, you know, that's a, a, a guy that you uh, can rally behind, and obviously he's worked a lot with Giolito. Uh, you know, he, you can't fix everybody in this rotation, but he's definitely had a, a, played a big role in making uh, Giolito the pitcher that he is this year. You guys can, uh, can call up and talk to these men about White Sox and, uh, and a variety of things at 312-644-6767. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about a bunch of stuff. But as we are right now on Zach Collins, um, Guff, tell me about Zach Collins because when I saw you at Wrigley before Cubs Sox, you were loving him in terms of his personality and what he's willing to say. And I think this is something that people don't necessarily realize about that dude is um, how, how kind of cocky in a, in a good way, in a necessary way, and kind of willing he is to be a certain kind of personality. Yeah, I mean, Bill, taking, taking the baton from what you just said, you know, it's a big day for him at Wrigley Field. That's where he's going to make his debut. And his first availability is at, he's asked about Dylan Cease. And he said, if I were the GM, I'd bring him up tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who's in the, not even taking the moment in. He's just like, yeah, Dylan Cease needs to be here too. How do you not love that? I mean, this is a guy who's going to speak his mind. He gives you everything he has in terms of just talking to him like we are right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's talent there that, and I said this yesterday, it's almost like when guys are good, when you have Eloy and you have Moncada and you have Giolito and you have Tim Anderson, all these other guys kind of embracing the spotlight and taking the spotlight, you forget about the other guys in the system. You do. You forget about the Zach Collins. We don't because we're so into it. But other, the fans do because you're so involved in the moment with the guys that are here. Mm-hmm. And Luis Roberts hitting a home run every day. Oh, MVP of the All-Star game yeah, so the other day, double A. You forget about the Zach Collins, and then all of a sudden he's here, and then boom, he homers. And the personality of Collins plays. The bat, the on-base percentage plays. I think the whole package plays. And I think... I'm with you. If he's here, let's play him. Yeah. Like every day. I don't care really where, if it's catcher, DH, first base. But I, I do think I'm done with the Yonder Alonso experiment. And so he should take over that role with the versatility of being able to take some reps at catcher, too. Yeah, I've, I fell into the analogy somehow in hour number one of like a neighborhood that you slowly watch becoming <laughs> gentrified. And there's the super modern, beautiful three flat with the great balcony space and the multiple parkings next to the old single family home with the 12 by 16 foot lawn that some guy comes out and mows with a, a manual lawnmower. And you're like, why is this why is this dwelling still here? And all due respect to those who grew up in those kind of dwellings. But that's Wellington Castillo and Yonder Alonso. And let's move along, yeah. shall we? Are you trying to evict? I think Ryan is, and I think I'm ready to do so as well. I've been well. trying to evict Wellington and Chuck Noses since last year. Yes. The day he got busted, yes. I was like, okay, thank you. You were done with him. Uh-huh. Thank you, bye-bye. And quite frankly, what's wrong with DFAing both? Uh, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Certainly I don't think it'll of... happen, but what's wrong with it? Hey, man, you look it around... could happen. Tre- Trevor Rosenthal got DFA'd today by the Washington Nationals. They guaranteed him, I believe, 7 or $8 million for this year. He's coming. He's a couple years off Tommy John. He's still throwing 98. 
um, but he can't find the plate to save his life. And they said, you know what? We just can't do this anymore. And they gave up on it. The Braves sent Mike Fultonevich down to the minors. Now, I know that Braves are at a di- very different spot, but the Nats are looking around like, all right, no, let's find somebody who can get outs in this bullpen. Let's, let's stop doing this. At a certain point, you stop giving time to, to guys who don't deserve it anymore. Yeah, the White Sox didn't have any other options. I think you, you stay with them. But now that Zach is here, and we'll see how this whole thing plays out. I'm assuming there are discussions that have been going on. Okay, how do we handle this Rubik's Cube, if you want to call it that, of Yonder Alonso, Wellington Castillo, Zach Collins, and how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to see how Zach plays. Castillo's got a, an oblique problem. Yeah, he's going oblique? to be out, he's going to be out he, for, for a catcher? That problem, the, the oblique problem, is going to take care of this problem for quite a while. Yeah, well, that's, that's, what, that's what, uh, what Joe Madden has always said, is that these things have a way of, of working themselves out. But, but Baseball on, has a way of fixing it itself. Does. If, the White, if this was last year... Yonder Alonso and Wellington Castillo can play out the season. They, they, they could play out the string mm-hmm. and be the guy that they are or the guy that they're not and play it out. There's way too much good happening right now. There's way too much upswing going on right now. There's way too much to love right now to be blocked or delayed by these guys who are just not performing. And another guy we haven't even mentioned who's being blocked right now, who's having a great AAA right now is... Daniel Palka. Yep. We've kind of forgotten about him. He homered last night. He's got 16 homers. He's batting like 430 in his last 10 games. He deserves a shot again to come up here and see what he can do. So I think, you know, let's put him into the equation as well, that at some point, uh, let's see what he can. I mean, they've been playing him at first base. I watched a little bit of a game a couple of days ago. Actually, it was the Dylan Cease game. And Dylan Cease's numbers were, they looked bad. They should have been a little bit better. There Mm -hmm. was a, a play that Hulka should have made it first base that allowed another run to score, uh, you know, and it went against Cease. I think it was an unearned run, but still, uh, they're trying to find a way to make him a player in the majors, give him a position other than DH, but his bat can play, as we saw last year, so I think he should be up there, too. So it's kind of a, it's a really good moment overall. It's just kind of an awkward moment because you want to embrace where you are, but you're not quite ready to be there. You can embrace where you are and, not, and still be not quite ready to be there. Just don't make any foolish moves at the trade deadline, which I don't expect them, expect them to. And, you know, you're not going to give up on guys that you've spent three years acquiring and developing mm-hmm. just to take a run at a one-game play-in, and you have one-and-a-half arms in your rotation. I just don't see any scenario why they would do that. No, I think those, those, those days are, are, are done. I think that kind of mindset is done, at so least you, until they feel like they've arrived in the window. But part of, like, if you DFA these two guys we're talking about, that, in some ways, is embracing where you are and almost kind of making moves without yes. making them. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, giving, giving, giving the time uh, to the guys that matter. As, as you talk about this, this uh, puzzle that includes first base and DH and, and, and catcher in terms of Collins, um, I love what Jose Abreu brings to this team. And I love that he is, as Eloy told you in the car the other day, he's the guy who shows up first still mm-hmm. every day. Showing up at 11 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. Just kind of busting his hump to prep and getting in the right mindset and everything like that. Uh, why not have Jose Abreu back here next year and possibly beyond for a couple of years if the market allows you know, a manageable deal? His reputation with the club is obviously tremendous. It's not like you're... It's not like you don't need a, 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 veteran, a veteran power bat to uh, add into the mix and have hitters one through eight 
Why not have Jose Abreu back next year? I don't think there are many people out there who feel he shouldn't be back. I, I also believe it's not something that they want to discuss during the season. Not only Jose Abreu, but maybe even the White Sox. I'm sure they, they both would listen if uh, there was a great offer put on the table. But I just feel like at, at some point that's just going to happen. I, I don't think there's any debate about that. And you know, Are there any first basemen available? Next year, free agent-wise, other than Abreu that you'd want to bring in, I don't think there are any. So no, there he really seems aren't. to be the guy. He wants to stay here. All indications are he will be back. It's more of a question of how long of a deal do you make with him. The other thing is, you know, at some point, is they got to figure this out. Who is Zach Collins? Is he your future first baseman? Mm-hmm. Is he your future catcher right now? They still plan on him being the catcher. But James McCann, at 29 years old, he, if, he continue, if, if this is who he is, isn't he your future catcher? Yeah, but I think you know who I think Zach Collins is, your future versatile bat, versatile bat. That's who I think he is with a lot of options. And in 2019 in, in Major League Baseball, versatility plays as much as anything else. And you have a guy who can play catcher, first base, and DH in the American League who who likes to get on base. Yeah, um, there's a place for you in this lineup. Mm-hmm. I don't. You can give you can spell guys. If I, is is James McCann going to hit? 320 next year in the years to follow? I don't know. I hope so. But if he doesn't, he plays as a DH, too. It's a great way to spell. These guys can all spell each other by right. playing in this triangle. Right. Yeah. And, and you could expand it. There's no reason Zach Collins couldn't play a little left field if you really wanted him to. I mean, look, you're, let, you're, let, you're, you're letting Eloy play out there. That's By fair. the way, have you seen him <laughs> he's lately? He's gotten, he's gotten better. Yes, he's gotten I'll say, better. I'm going to say it. A lot better. Now, granted, a lot? Okay, now let me say It's this. not enough time to say he's gotten a lot okay. better. Considering where he was, he was yeah. three weeks ago. Now, he still has a long way to go. Just If he's an average left fielder, that is a, a home run, so to speak, for Aloy Jimenez as a left fielder. Yeah. He looks so much better. But I, why, not, what, why is, the, is the progress all suddenly happening now? He's had a lot of years in the minor leagues to try I, and get I better at, at the feeble left field position. I know they're working a lot on it. I don't know what has clicked for him. But if you've been watching the last few, ever since he came back from the injury, I mean, before the injury, I was frightened for him. Whenever the ball went to left field, it looked, like, like, this, it looked like there were rocks in his shoes. <laughs> it, he, his on, outfield awareness was not good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've watched every single, you know, hit to him since, you know, for the last few weeks, and he's been much better, knock on wood. You remember when. Rick Hahn, and this happens all across baseball with prospects. Oh, we need to see him. He needs to become a better defensive player. And we're all just sitting there rolling our eyes. Like, right, check more boxes. Yes. Right. And then he comes up, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, he really <laughs> needed to work on some stuff. That wasn't a line. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was still a line. I, I think it probably was. <laughs> they are Ryan McGuffey and Chuck Garfine. Lots to talk about, in, in, including uh, Ryan's trip to the Dominican with the White Sox uh, last offseason, which looked really cool. So uh, lots to discuss, and you can hop in if you like. Several people angry at me uh, about the gentrification al- analogy. It's a major socioeconomic justice issue. You're better than that. Clearly, I am not better than that. You're listening to 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Back on 670 to score. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey are here with me. So Eloy Jimenez in the car with you the other day. That was really fun. Uh, Chuck, Adam Studzinski, we have some of that, right? Let, let's, let's, let's play a chunk of that for folks. Adam, uh, whatever chunk you want. I know we grabbed a couple of them along the way. Do you know how to get to Wrigley Field? No? So it's good I'm here for you. Get you there. Thank you. When you see Cubs fans and Cubs fans see you, what do they say to you now? Uh, we miss you. Uh, why you go to White Sox? We want you back? Uh, yes. <laughs> what do you say? Um, it was... It wasn't my fault. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, you can come to watch me in the, uh, at the guarantee field. Oh, God. Eloy is fun. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a very nice kid, seemingly a nice kid, enjoying himself, and has worked hard to learn English and be able to engage. And sometimes that has become like a topic that gets bandied around as like, you know, that's racist. Why are you making these guys learn English? You're talking about like you want them to learn English. No, it benefits them. It can benefit them, and it can eventually benefit your entire clubhouse if guys care and are passionately trying to to be able to relate to the rest of their teammates and coaches and such. Yeah. And Aloy's got that. I mean, he really wanted to learn English, and I credit the Cubs organization because they uh, hired someone to work with him once they signed him, and he his English has gotten better and better, and he's embraced the language. And it, I think as a fan, you want to be able to understand these players, we get so emotionally involved and attached to these guys beyond what they're doing on the baseball field. And here you get, the, you get an inside look at what he's thinking and what he's feeling because he can verbalize those emotions. So uh, I, it's so great that a guy like Aloy Jimenez has uh, taken to uh, realize that it's important. I'm not, I'm not nothing against Jose Abreu, Yohan Moncada. Uh, they've gone this far and they haven't been speak, doing any English interviews, but mm-hmm. uh, Jimenez has embraced it. And uh, that's, I think it's great for all of us that we can uh, really get to know him more because he can speak our language. I, I, I've never had to learn a second language, um, so I know it's incredibly difficult. Um, but boy, when you do and when you can, just the options of things that you can learn from different people you might not have been able to understand. I remember Pedro Martinez saying it decades ago that having no language barrier eventually by the time he got to Montreal and then to Boston benefited him hugely yeah. that he could talk to anybody and everybody on the staff and, and, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, Eloy has become a, he's a magnet for everyone. Not Take us out of the equation. He's a magnet for the entire clubhouse. Is he? And the weight, the, the smile, the weight, his talent, obviously, but the way he's kind of embraced everybody else before he even got there, they've embraced him right back. And you said right at the start of this, Matt, it's good for them. There's money in, there's money to be made for sure. For Eloy Jimenez down the road as a superstar of this town, because guess what? Every ad agency can go to Eloy Jimenez and say, you know, market this Italian beef sandwich, <laughs> market, and there are so many plays for Eloy Jimenez. And I don't, I'm with, I don't think everyone should have to learn English. I'm not one of those guys like, oh, you come here, you learn. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think we should start 
like ma mandating that every U.S. citizen learns a second language. But that, I'm not going down that track today. <laughs> but there's no doubt Aloy Jimenez learning English and, and being able to speak it and converse and being able to ride to Wrigley Field mm -hmm. for 30 minutes and, and actually open up about the trade is going to benefit him today, tomorrow, and going forward. And even I'm doing sideline reports before the game, and it's gotten to the point where he just takes my microphone and starts interviewing <laughs> me. I mean, he's just a fun guy, and he looks into the camera and says, Hi, Mom, and mm -hmm. uh, that's... Uh, it's fun. I've said this before, and there's something... It's almost like he's lived this life already. Yeah. Like, when he was a young kid, he saw his future. So everything that he's doing here in Chicago, I mean, when he flew here for the first time and saw this city when he was a teenager, he just said to himself, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a star in Chicago. Like, mm. what? Like, it's a very, uh, so it feels like. That's makeup. That's makeup. It yeah. is. Yeah. That's, you, you're born with that. Right, yeah. right. So, and then just, when, I, he, when there's a big moment in a baseball game, he doesn't uh, wilt under the pressure. He uh, rises to the occasion. He embraces the – he wants that ninth yeah. inning home run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love telling the story about his first game against the Cubs in spring training 2018 when he had a hamstring injury. This is three days before the game. <laughs> He's telling Renteria, I want to play. I want to play. He wasn't going to play. Didn't start the game. During the game, he's in the dugout. He's going to Renteria. I want to play. Get me in. Get me in. He really wanted to play against the Cubs. Mm -hmm. He has him pinch hit in the ninth. They're down a run, or maybe they're tied. They're tied. They're tied. He gets an 0-2 curveball. It was against a Cubs pitcher that I'm not sure is even in baseball anymore. But anyway, he gets a home run. I mean, that's the kind of thing. And then we drived with him to Wrigley Field. What does he do with that game? He hits the game-winning home yeah, run. Yeah, the ninth that, that was crazy. And, and that's your moment that, um, th that really kind of allowed for some of the conversation that has been taking place here this week on 670 The Score, where we had a caller yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse going, you know, I think this is the week we'll look back on where the arrows started going up. For the White Sox, it started going down for the Cubs. <laughs> Did you mark it? Did you mark the week? <laughs> I, I, I didn't mark it, but I'm sure that I'll be told it's coming again and again. Because there, there should be a few of them where, where you feel like that. But it was, it was kind of glorious, actually. Like, I, I made fun of the guy, but then actually really enjoyed it. Because feel yourself. Go ahead, man. That's what sports is for, right? To go ahead and feel that sense of possibility. And this is a moment where Sox fans ought to feel that way. Well, I was hoping for Aloy Jimenez, Jimenez at bat against Quintana. I mean, wait till that happens. I don't know if, what the Maybe pitching matchup is for uh, the next crosstown, but, it, I mean, Jimenez against Quintana, that's must-see TV. I think man. the Cubs may have to rework that six-man <laughs> to make sure that doesn't that, that doesn't happen in July. Jose Quintana was brutal yesterday. Started off the show talking about it here on 670 The Score. Um, do you remember him during his White Sox heyday having this much struggle with his changeup in terms of the ability to throw it, the effectiveness of it, and the desire to throw it? And that is driving me crazy. I mean, I don't remember that. I mean, he was a much better pitcher. And I have not talked with him since the trade, so I don't really know what's changed. He seems to have changed on the mound in terms of the, the numbers. They're just not the same. And he's going from the American League where you have a DH Supposed to, be getting better. to the National League where you have a pitcher you get to face all the time. Doesn't make sense to me. What did you see when he was rolling with the, with the White Confidence. Sox? That guy loved to take the mound mm -hmm. when he was rolling with the White Sox. And I don't think he ever took the mound with the, idea, with the thought in the back of his head that, Man, after five and two thirds, I could be yanked, or uh -huh. I could be six innings might be my max today. He just went out and pitched, and there was a conference. I think 
the year he, in, in 17 when he had his worst half season with the White Sox, he admitted that the trade and the rumors were wearing on him. And I was, I'll choke or, or put some of that up to that. I don't know if that's – I'd have to go look back at the changeup and the metrics and stuff like that to see if that's where it started. Mm. But I guess a question I would pose back to you, Speaks, is are the Cubs trying to make him somebody that he's not capable of being or I, he's just a mess right now? I think it's confidence. I mean, that, that's, where, that's where I led today and that's where I've talked about it. And I have, I've seen um, Cubs front office guys talk about uh, Jose Quintana in this way. Yes, we sat him down and told him to throw his changeup more. And we said, don't just nod your head and say you're going to do it. Actually do it. So there have been moments where he has not wanted to do some of the things that they've been asking him to do. So when you say confidence is the first answer, I mean, these are human beings. And this is a guy who seems not to be the same person that he was down there. Well, when he was with the White Sox, remember all the no decisions he got. Remember the lack of run support that he got. And so he would go out there and only get one or two runs, or three if he's lucky, and he'll dominate. If it wasn't dominate, certainly pitch good enough to win. So there was that kind of pressure he was feeling on the mound, and Mm. yet he kept the team in the game. Here is the only difference I can see between playing for the White Sox and the Cubs, at least mentally. He's expected, he's on a winning team that is expected to win. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can't handle th- those expectations versus with the White Sox when they were trying to win and they weren't. And he could just go out and do his thing. That's my only guess. Well, well makes you, a lot of sense. Do you feel the weight of Aloha Jimenez and Dylan Cease is on him too? That being traded in a two-team town was a bad thing for him? I, it's it's I, entirely possible. It's entirely possible. And all this stuff, and this is why baseball is just so freaking cruel, has a way of circling in on itself and spiraling because you have so much time to think about it. And you have to talk to the media every day. And you're walking through there and guys are looking at you in the clubhouse wondering, like, what's going on in his head? And you can, you can get lost in your thoughts yeah. about this stuff if you're not careful. And uh, I fear that some of that is going on. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves would like to thank the loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you and see you in October. And And the bottom of the hour brought to you by the Regional Transportation Authority. Public transit is the backbone of a transportation system and part of what makes this region great. Whether you cheer for the baseball team on the north side or south side, whether you like tacos or sushi, everyone agrees public transportation is the best way to get where you're going this summer. Okay, so I don't know why um, Yonder Alonso plays as much as he does or hits where he does in the lineup. I loathe when I see Tim Anderson in the seven hole and it appears to be about lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, which is a nice idea for bullpen matchups at the end of a game in a season that you're trying to contend. But as you're where you are in your rebuild, Tim Anderson should be getting as many at bats as humanly possible over the course of a week, a month or season. He should be hitting second or maybe first and and developing um is rick renteria the manager of this team when they are going for a division crown because i have concerns okay so let's see where i want to start (laughs) probably with tim anderson yeah go go ahead go to go to that one all right so tim anderson so i gave you a lot they do look at his splits and where he has performed in the lineup and if you look at what he's done when he's batted sixth and seventh yes his numbers are really really good when he has batted second 
the numbers have not been as good. I have those numbers for you. Okay, okay. So now let me explain myself a little bit more because there's more to it than that. Now, when they've been moving him up to the second spot, it's mainly to face a Mm left-hander. In the past... He did much better against lefties than righties, okay? That has changed this year. That has changed this year. Mm -hmm. He is dominating righties. So if I, Chuck Garfine, is filling out the lineup card, I would move Tim Anderson up to bat against righties when uh, bat second against righties. They have not done that. The the idea in a year like this especially is to – um, is to accelerate and support the evolution of guys who are showing you that they're ready for it. Right. So, hey, you're, you're better against righties. You're spitting on outside sliders more. Here you go. Right. And I think the White Sox believe, now they, this is a theory, uh, that you, know, you get to the bottom of the order and there's not a lot of production going on there with Tim Anderson's batting second. So maybe they feel, okay, well, if you have someone like Anderson batting seventh, then when it comes back around... You've got guys who are, on, who are on base for the top of the order. Now, that's an idea as well that they might be bantering about. But, you know, it's, it is, it, we've been talking about this all season long, mm-hmm. the lineup with the White Sox. Why is Yonder Alonso batting fourth? Why is Tim Anderson batting seventh and sixth? But, you know, there's a lot of things at play here. I don't have all the answers as to why they continue to do this. But the production continues to be there for Tim Anderson. For when sure. He's batting sixth and seventh. It's working for him. You know, I think there are bigger issues. Actually, bigger issues. I think there's, you know, uh, <laughs> fixing the, the the starting rotation would be a bigger is really what's whole, what, for that, sure. That is what's you know this this team is being held up uh, by on, on one stilt by yeah uh, Lucas Giolito and occasionally Nova and Lopez and that is what is really bringing the uh, the fact that they're 36, 35, they're two games they're two games under thirty five and thirty seven yeah two games under five hundred with this starting rotation that seems thirty six like, and thirty yeah that and, and 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 the answers will be they will find the answers to this if not this year next year I, I'm confident that they will but you know to talk about why is Tim Anderson batting second sixth or seventh you know. Uh, what are your I thoughts, Guff? I just think that you can't look at career as long as it's not hey career you know. Career metrics, career stats are play like this for Tim Anderson when he's having a year that clearly shows, hey, I'm exploding. In. It's like looking at Lucas Giolito and trying to go, well, last year he did this. So Correct. Just, you can't do that Possibilities anymore. have changed. Absolutely. So be, with evolution, you've got to figure out, hey, can this guy handle X, Y, and Z? So, yes, is it easy to slot him in the six hole because he's a career 329 hitter there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is that the best thing for the team? If, when you're talking about him as a run producer now, yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying he shouldn't be hitting six. I just think as long as it's not career-based, as long as we're sitting here looking at 2019 and going forward, because that's what this is about. Ah, uh, there we are. See, this is my issue, is that, and I asked a very complicated, multi-tiered, multi-question question, which is something you should never do in radio. <laughs> so I let, didn't forget it. Let me ta- well, let me, let me take it back to just Renteria. I, I don't know... Sometimes I feel like he is not watching exactly the situation as is in front of him with the talent that is in front of him and reacting based on that. I feel like it is coming from a sort of a broader based uh, theory of how to do it, whereas, you know, the best managers look and who's good in this exact situation, who's doing this, and they're completely on point in the moment, and I don't know that I've ever gotten that from him. All right, so last year and the year before, I gave him a lot of rope because the talent was not good. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have talent, enough talent on your team, you are forced to make some difficult decisions as to, you know, like whether it's the bullpen or your, your lineup, 
you know, your instincts as a manager get affected because you're like, you know, what am I going to get out of this guy? What, what is he? Who is he? You know, we, we, there's a lot of things at play, and your choices end up being questioned, obviously, because you just don't know exactly what you're going to get on a day-to-day basis from that. The team is better this year, but I feel like he as a manager is caught in between, and it's not his fault, between wanting to win and still wanting to develop. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think that is still affecting his decision-making, and I'm not trying – I guess I am defending him because that's he's, – he's like, well, we got these guys who are trying to win. We got sure. guys who are – we're still trying to develop, you know. That's the conversational trap that we get yes. in, that I brought up before. He's understandably in that in that trap in terms he's, of he's of caught in the middle. Are. That's why a- you got to get rid. That's why you got to get rid of some of these DF. You got to DFA some of these. Make guys. Make the decision yeah, make the for decision him. For him, yeah, I and agree. Then yeah. Put him in the best chance to be a good manager. And if he's not capable, I think he's going to be given every chance to be the manager of this team going forward. I think the White Sox want him to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he will be. But if he's given the opportunity and saying, here are all the toys that we've been talking about for the right. last three to four years, right. make them work. And also, See? the switch is now flipped. Yep. We're going to go ahead and get rid of and, and And to your point, Chuck, they have not done that yet because Manny Benuelos and Odrissimer are still getting starts. And Ivan <laughs> yeah, Nova no, still exists. No offense to Manny Benuelos and Odrissimer Despagne. No offense do you, to Despagne. Do you think... Yes, offense to Despagne. Do you really think Ricky Renteria wanted... Okay, you know no, what? No, of course Manny not. Manny Benuelos, and that's my guy. His and, comment after the game last night to me was like, I don't want this guy either. It yes. was kind of like, we got to throw him out there until I'm told that there's no other option. You know, I mean, let's be honest. He probably does. He want Dylan Cease on his team. Of course, he yeah. does. Does he want Luis Robert on his team? Mm-hmm. Yes. They're all going to make him better. But this is where the team is right now. This was the plan, and right. so he has to, you know, manage the situation. And when I say the situation, not just the game situation, but the situation of where this franchise is right here, right now. I don't think they have enough arms to put in this rotation and give him a chance right now to really. Go for it and, and find out. But you're going to have to do that. This is, you're going to have to figure out whether he is that guy or not. And he's not really given a fair shake to do that with the roster as it stands. Yeah, right I now. mean, there's – and if you – if people talk about this – we all talk about – I talk about this one. Um, look at who else is down there in AAA right now. There are no options. I it's know. Dylan Cease and a whole bunch of – Soon Hector Santiago. And soon Hector Santiago. I think Kyle Kubat will be here this year. Kyle Kubat just got promoted to Charlotte. He was the pitcher of the month for the organization. Started in, in Winston Salem. Started in Winston Salem. He's twenty six. Yeah. So I think, you know, lefty. He, he's not a twenty two year old project. He's twenty six years old. I think he. I could see him late August, maybe a September call up type situation to see what he's got. A few a few starts the rest of Here, the year. Here's here's your scenario uh, next year. Um, David Ross slides into his eventual rightful place as manager of the Cubs at the end of Madden's uh, oh, run. Here we go. Um, Madden uh, keeps running the restaurant, but on game days, he goes south and takes over for Ricky. <laughs> I mean, could you, uh, it, can you imagine? Can you imagine that happening a second time in the same city? It's, just, it's not, it's not I mean, going to happen. Think about how convenient it would be for Joe to still run his restaurant while managing you know, eight, open, eight, eight miles get, south. He could open two locations. <laughs> 670 The Score is where you are. It's Hit and Run. Matt Spiegel is your host. That's me, Chuck Garfine and Ryan Guffey. Ryan McGuffey sticking around for a little while on 670 The Score. To the point with the Despondi where you oh. need to consider another option there in that, in that spot in the rotation. I think that um, as far as we're concerned, Despondi is here until he's not. And he will continue to get his opportunities uh, until we all, you know, 
find either a different option or we decide that we need an option. Right now, he's, he's still gonna, as far as we're concerned, we'll still get uh, send him out there and, and try to allow him to do the job. Oh, that's tremendous. That is Ricky Renteria. And you heard the yes behind every other word that he said he really wanted to say. I would love him to be gone. That would be fine. But he's a partner. Managers are partners these days in what the front office is doing. Right, guys? Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey here, along with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run. Hey, if you're caller six right now to the contest line at 312-591-6700, you can join me as I broadcast Hit and Run live at the Chicago Dogs game next Sunday, June the 30th. Winners receive a pair of tickets to the game, a Chicago-style hot dog for lunch, and a chance to throw out the first pitch. Brought to you by the Chicago Dogs, where every day is fan appreciation day. It's yeah. my favorite Ricky bite of the year. Right That's there? your favorite? Yeah. Okay. It is. Because it's, it, he's... Starting to feel himself right there yeah. a little bit, isn't he? I like it. I like it's like be frustrated and say, damn it, I don't know. Like this guy, I can't, it's killing our team. You shouldn't have a four nothing lead in the first and give it right back right. in the bottom half. Listen, I'm the, sorry. Yeah, the Rangers uh, came into this series 26 and 14 at home. Sox won the first game of this series. They should have won the second one. That shows you the kind of uh, baseball that they're playing mm-hmm. right now. And uh, one thing that Aaron Bummer said, I interviewed him uh, last week and. Uh, you can listen to it on the White Sox Talk podcast. He spoke mm, about this. Plug. That, that, yeah, I had to plug that. You know, <laughs> had to do it. Like it. Um, he says the mindset has changed inside the White Sox clubhouse. That last year, first off, they when they would go into a hitting slump or a pitching slump, a lot of these guys didn't know how to get out of it, and they would face an Astros team and go, I don't, you know, hopefully we can win. Maybe we can. Mm-hmm. And they were thinking, well, we got reinforcements coming from the minor leagues. All right. This year, he said they're not looking who's, well, who's coming through the door. They're not even though there guys are coming. I mean, you're going to have Cease eventually and Robert and that, but they think like they can win now. And I'm not saying win the World Series, but they can go into a three-game series with the Texas Rangers or face the Yankees or face the uh, the Astros or Cubs and feel like they can win the series. They, they can, and they, they have, and they, they, and they, they have. can, they have, and they should feel right, that right. way. Right, right, and they can go into series against the Royals and the Indians. Clean them up. And, 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 and they, they expect to win the series. Now, this has not been a mentality in that clubhouse in three years. It's there now. You know, what's interesting is that I remember Carlos Rodon giving voice to that in the offseason, that yeah. this, it's time for us to start thinking about that. And his, his breakdown on injury is a huge disappointment um, to me because I, I was in, really enjoying the arc of where he was towards the end of last year. But, you know, for any team that goes about this, Usually there's a point, whether it's the Nationals back when with Jason Wirth, or whether it was the Cubs and the arrival of John Lester and Joe Madden, or wherever it has been where like an acquisition kind of defines the lane switch, right? And it seems like the players themselves, and in that cut, Ricky Renteria, are pushing for the front office to go ahead and define that we've made the switch. And that's what we're talking about here with the possible moves of Alonzo, Castillo, Banuelos, Despagne, is like... Go ahead and define that the next step is here. I think the players and maybe the manager feel like it's time. I think, too, that the acquisition is still to come. It has to because I think, I think they do need a pitcher at some point. And Garrett if you, Cole. If you go back to the uh, – Garrett Cole is the guy. That, that's the guy, but table that for just a second. Sure. Because at the beginning of the season, we did season prediction podcast, and we all tried to make you know, something that's going to – like what's your bold prediction? And my bold prediction was that they would make a major acquisition at the deadline 
that wasn't for 2019. Hmm. So I'm going to keep that card. I'm keeping that card in my back pocket because I do think it's still possible. So think about what that means. It could mean uh, Zach Granke, maybe. Um, I don't like that would be like a rest of this season plus two more. What's that going to cost you? I don't know. They know more about their system right now than Gr- they ever have. Granky's an interesting thought um, I, because I, I just that one out there because it popped no, up. It, I, no, yeah. it's, it's it's a good thought because even as his stuff has faded a little bit, he's so damn smart. He throws so many different pitches. He's old. He's old, but he's also he's incredibly steeped in analytics, how he prepares and everything like that would be a very good example on a lot of levels. He's also personality wise though a little quirky. How would he do in a big market? I don't know. He's. That's uh, with yeah. media. And, 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 he, and, and he I don't know. The Dodgers and he was pretty damn good. Yeah, that's yeah, right. but that's, that's true. true. That's true. I forgot about th- that. Th- he absolutely did, but he also didn't have to be kind of a leader there. Like when we've yeah. thought about the Lester type, I, Lester has shown guys yeah. both I, verbally and athletically how to be tougher and do what you got to do. Which is why you go get, get Garrett Cole. Yeah, you because do. Garrett Cole, you can just say, here's the money, here's the team, it's all here. Be the guy that shows these guys how to. Like, you've won, mm-hmm. you've been the guy. That's not cranky. That's like, that's I, that's not not that's, but that's what yeah. I'm, se- yeah, I'm yeah, settling yeah, yeah, on. I agree with you. And if Garrett Cole's going to get, like, let's just say he's getting six for 175. I have no idea what it's going to end up being. It might be lower. Then you need to be six for 200. You have, to, you have to overpay a little bit to get him here to be there. And I know that I'm sure the, the text line is going to start flooding with, you know, cheap and all this stuff. But they are in a position right now that they can go out and make a Garrett Cole yeah. the face of their uh, rotation and one of the guys that says, hey, the switch has already been flipped, and yeah. now it's on neutral high. Like, I, I didn't like having to blast them as much as I did in the wake of the Machado stuff yeah. because they wanted to do it. They went for it, yeah. you know, and it was this arbitrary line in the sand. And I know it's a lot of money between 250 and 300, but when a guy tells you he needs 300, you don't, you don't offer it on your terms. You try to get, you have to get him on his terms and eventually somebody's going to do it. So I don't, it's not, I don't think you can still say like some things that people said in the past about them being cheap or whatever. They've given out deals and they tried to do it. They yeah. just have to go even further. Yeah, now the Sox in, in, in some situations have not been cheap. They I overpaid, not just overpaid. They, they offered more for a Brave than anybody did. They got yes. Luis Robert, but those are, that those were you know sixty eight million dollar deals, not three hundred million. Right, they were deals. in on a rod originally before yeah. Texas outbid themselves almost at one point. Hey, um, I'll never forget when Kenny decided to pay John Danks, and then that uh, blew up ugly in your face. Mistake. That one had to hurt for yeah, a little while yeah, yeah. after not doing that kind of right. thing. And, and the thing about Garrett Cole, I mean, and we've seen the uh, arm injuries. Yeah, I'm concerned that because and, he's a pitcher, he won't. Right, get, right, yeah. and you know, Jerry Reinsdorf is, has been reluctant to give a long-term deal to a pitcher mm-hmm. for more than four years. He did it with Danks, and look what happened. Right. So even though it sounds like on paper, hey, Garrett Cole, you add him to the mix, and there you go, I'm not sure they'll actually go ahead and do it, but we'll see. It doesn't have to be a power arm like that that can terrify you. It can be a Lester type whose stuff will age well. I'm, 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 I think I'm still, I'm just out on an island thinking that Dallas Keuchel could age well and would be a sensible guy yeah. and has a bulldog mentality. You know what? I wanted Keuchel because he went through a rebuild with the Astros Absolutely. and saw all the way through to a championship. He seemed like the perfect guy. You put him in here on this lineup, the, on this it, rotation, he's a lefty, boom. It mm. still makes sense to me, but I, I'm sure that, that, that front offices have dug deeper than I have into, yeah. into the analytics <laughs> and, and the too. arc of his stuff. I want Garrett Cole. I just want Gary Cole. Yeah. I mean, he was, a, he was the ace of a staff in a small market in Pittsburgh. Was yes. a stud. And look at him. Look at, think about all of the things that he's been able to gather in that rotation pitching for Houston with yeah. Justin Verlander next to him and Dallas Keuchel. 
you know, last year. I just and knowing how to win with a team that's gone through a rebuild. Yeah. He, he wasn't there for the rebuild, but he was a part of it. He was on the other side of it. He would be on the other side of it here mm-hmm. and be the guy. Mm. Six seventy. The score is where you are. We'll keep going a little bit here with Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey. I had a realization about one of the most famous managers in the history of this town this week, and I want to talk about it with you guys next. Right here on Hit and Run, uh, Bruce Levine's going to join us in an hour as we get ready for Cubs pregame at twelve forty-five. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.